Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Barca Talk, contract renewals, injured knees, and a new look for the Barca crest. We have comments from you about individual awards and football galas, updates on Barca B and Barca women, and match reviews of both the Leganes and athletic matches. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson, coming to you from Buffalo, New York. And of course, joining me, as always, is Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are we doing? We are doing well. I helped uh, some friends move yesterday, and my body is a little bit sore, but it was the perfect day for moving. There was a nice, crisp breeze in the air. We got everything done inside of two, three hours. They were super prepared. Like, I love when I show up to a friend's house to help them move, and they're actually mostly already moved, and all we have to do is the big stuff, the furniture, and that sort of thing. It's happened before where, you know, you show up, and I'm sure this has happened to you, and they're, like, not even packed yet. Like, what am I doing here? I mean, I'll have these donuts. I will take these donuts into my mouth. If that that happens, I just turn around. (laughs) You call me when you're ready. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but that's good. At least you didn't get injured, so then it was a quick move, so that's good. Yeah. Oh, my car got injured. Oh. There was a bit of a mishap with the moving truck when uh, when my buddy was bringing the moving truck into the driveway. It was a very narrow driveway on a sort of narrow street, and my car was parked right right out in front of the house. He's bringing it around. And just towards the back of the truck, he he caught my rear bumper and started dragging my car along a little bit and scratched up the bumper a little bit. It's not a big deal. Everything's mechanically fine. But, yeah, that ha- that did happen. <laughs> Yikes. Well, at least it's minor. So that's good, too. Yeah. And, you know, like if I decide to replace it, which I may or may not, although I just paid off my car. Three years, paid it off. I now own that car. But it's like a... It's like a 13-year-old car, and it's, I don't know, it's purely cosmetic, so we'll see. Well, congratulations. Thank you. What's going on in Madrid? How's it going? Uh, Good. I have a friend of mine visiting from the U.S., from St. Louis, Missouri, and um, yeah, so we've been, we were in Barcelona together last weekend, so that was a lot of fun, obviously, and then last night, we went out for a uh, kind of a sad birthday. It was a friend of mine's birthday, and basically everyone canceled, so yeah, so we were trying to... Uh, lift off her spirits and we're like, let's go wherever you want to go. And she just kept saying, I don't care, which is like for me, one of the worst phrases you can say to me because just make a decision, you know, like right. it's your birthday. Like, do you want to go dancing? Do you want to go to this other bar? And she just kept saying, we don't know. And then finally my friend and I were like, all right, we're going to go home then. <laughs> so yeah, but we had a good time. And uh, yeah. 
I mean, we had when we had did you have time. a good time <laughs> I, I i had a good time you had a good you know, time okay with my friend and we were playing board games at this bar so that was cool and after we record actually we're going to go to retiro to have uh some beers and just kind of hang out because he leaves for tomorrow so ah okay so that's what's going on in madrid so it's been really nice weather here and yeah so it's people are out and yeah that's out about and it. about out and about. No complaints here in Madrid. Nice. Well, let's talk about FC Barcelona. We have some news items to talk about. First up, uh, Sergio Busquets' contract was renewed, keeping him at the club through the 22-23 season. And his buyout clause was raised from 200 million euro to 500 million euro. So that's the news with Busquets. Yeah, that's really good. So he's obviously going to be there for the rest of his career, which is awesome. And obviously the increase in the in the sell in the buyout which is crazy right 500 million so yeah come and get them <laughs> yeah it's funny i haven't actually figured this out but it seems like we have more one club men than other clubs that's just a feeling i have but that's again that could just be my no, it's true my it's bias true. yeah we have a lot of one club men of course and they're all like masia guys exactly which is great exactly so yeah. happy happy to see that now on the bad side of things uh umtiti suffered a knee injury so he played all the full 90 midweek against Leganes but then he missed training on Friday so it's unclear how or when he sustained the injury it might have been the culmination of a more chronic problem uh, but the initial reports are that he could be out for several months yeah that's that's huge news especially the way PK is playing lately as well that we need Umtiti back and so hopefully this is maybe something that just needs rest ice compression and elevation yeah (laughs) the basics the physical therapy but uh yeah so hopefully this is something maybe just you know with the mixture of the world cup matches uh playing all those matches he didn't get enough rest and hopefully with just rest he'll be back to normal i i really hate to see if he has some sort of cleanup surgery or something because then he'll probably have to miss more months and he is vital vital to our defense yeah and I don't know, like in January in that transfer window, could like maybe could we could just get like Mathieu back just like just for half a year. Because <laughs> <Just, laughs> we need someone, I think, who can play center back and left back. Well, he could just put Munier at center back. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as like he did with Vermal and left back. I mean, we could just interchange players like that. So why don't we just do that? Yeah, they can all just fun. play wherever. Yeah, but that's a good point, Brian, because, you know, with the June, January transfer, if it's his injury is going to last longer, they will definitely try to get a, a center back and try to fill out that the depth because currently it's going to be Longlet and, and PK. And PK, like we're going to talk about in the second half of the show, has not been playing uh, to his standard. And so that's really regressing our defense. Yeah, yeah. And Longley is is good, but he's still he's still working into it and he's still young. He's, you know, I for me, there's no substitute for Umtiti at this point so losing him is is a big blow but let's let's talk about the big news of the week which was the new badge the biggest thing on social media last week for barca fans was the introduction of this new crest which is still subject to the approval by uh, the members but uh, the biggest change is the removal of the letters fcb on the crest and some form of that abbreviation has been on the crest since the club first instituted an original design in 1910 and the other notable alteration is a, a larger a larger field for the club colors in the lower half and the thing that i said about it immediately was that it looks like an app icon it looks like something that i would see on my phone as like 
just an icon for for an app. That's what it was, right? I mean, when the press released, that's one of the first things that it said that it's more social media friendly and that it's that's what it's kind of gearing for, for the app look. Uh, I know there was a lot of uproar on social media about the Crest. I mean, I think it's fine. It's, they update it every so often. It has the colors. It has the flags. I'm good with that. And as I have heavy here in my notes, we don't need no stinking badges. But right? we do. So, we do need. <laughs> well, we do. We do need stinking badges. <laughs> yeah, we do need that. <laughs> yeah. No, but you're right. But like, you know, they, they move the bars a little bit wider and this, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's it fine. is fine. Yeah. yeah. I actually did a little bit of research on this. So here's some, here's some FC Barcelona crest trivia for you. Uh, the current crest has been in use since 2002. But so that's 17 years, which is just about the right amount of time before an update. The the actual longest run they've had without any alterations was the design just before the current one, which uh, they were used from 74 to 2001, right after the end of the Franco era until they updated it in 2002. So like we're as far as you know, 17 years is a good amount of time. It's totally average. It went through a lot of changes during Franco's era because Franco was a dick, and uh, <laughs> I feel like that's putting it lightly. <laughs> yes, very lightly. Man, that guy was a real dick. <laughs> but you know, so the, it changed a lot during during those times. But even before that, it was like ten years. And so this is you know we're we're due. And if you're going to update it in this day and age, what, what else are you going to do except make it as as international? and phone friendly as possible. Exactly. That's that's the goal, right? I mean, the thing for me, it has all the colors that it wants to represent Catalonia, Barcelona and the club, so I'm good with that, you know. Um Yeah, and it yeah. still has all the same basic design yeah. elements as the original 1910 design when they you know, got it their original design in, and shifted from the uh, crest of the city of Barcelona. Once they have that yeah. design, this is still, you can see the lineage all the way back. You know, when we talked before about the uniform designs and anything that has to do with color scheme, as long as it has the colors of Barcelona, I'm okay with it. I'm not such a, a huge person about, oh, I don't like this jersey. I mean, obviously I like other ones better, but for me, it's not that important as long as it always represents the colors of Barcelona in the uniform and obviously in the crest as well. Right. And that actually does remind me, I'm not sure if we talked about the, uh, little bit of the uproar over the New Jersey design the or prospective Jersey design the the Rakitic friendly Croatian style checkerboard design uh, I don't yeah. I, I think that's actually official right I think so too yeah, yeah. it's official and uh yeah you know. it's got the colors though we can it's do all kinds of things with the I'm colors okay. I mean you know for me more important is the way they're playing you know, right. I don't care about the, you know, I don't, I don't huh. care about the jersey as much. You know, interesting. As long as it's not, as long as it's not white, right? I yeah, mean, exactly. <laughs> now, as long as we can get the players to start caring about how they're playing, right? Well, let's let's shift to uh, some responses we got this last week because we were talking about award shows and galas, and uh, last week we were talking about that. And since then, we asked you through the Facebook Messenger about what you thought about these events, FIFA's the best, for example, and whether they're good for football. That's how we phrased it. And between the two of us, I'm actually a little bit more anti on these things. I just want there to be sports, and um, you're a little bit more open to them. But but your contention has always been just to make the criteria more transparent and regulated. Well, this is what we got from you all out there listening from Mohammed. Uh, he says that these 
awards and galas. He says they are good for football for sure, but as long as they're awarded on merit and not marketing. When Bayern Munich won the Champions League, Ribéry had all the team trophies for that year and was expected to win the Ballon d'Or, but Cristiano won it just because of his Pichichi and Golden Boot. Real Madrid didn't win any trophies that year. And next, when Messi won the Golden Boot, Pichichi, La Liga, Copa del Rey, they ignore all that and award Cristiano the Ballon d'Or just because he won the Champions League. This year, FIFA was nothing but a joke. Sala was in top three, but nowhere in the world best 11. Courtois was the best goalkeeper, but not in the world 11. And this has been happening all these years, but has been noticed by masses just now. Hope there's change. So thanks for that, Mohammed. I think that's an excellent point. Right, fine. And again, this goes back to your point, Gabriel, about trying to find, you know, transparent and objective ways by which the uh, the, the awards are are given and making it more regular and having it be more about merit. But then again, the entire point of these things is for marketing, which is what I would contend. I mean, the whole thing, too, is that we're seeing how they value Champions League more than anything else, which to me shouldn't be because you know it's such a lucky kind of tournament for things to happen for you to win it's not as like with the league right where you have so many games and you have to be really consistent so again you know like i said i just want more transparency but at the same time i just think there's too many of these award shows it's the best ballon d'or just pick one like we just have to have one and the other thing too real madrid's were all the best 11 essentially yeah because they won the champions league and it's like what no yeah. they it's they were not the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah now we also got this from daniel about this subject and he says football awards are and always will be an integral part of the game and they provide motivation for players to play to their best you could almost say some players not mentioning any names play almost with the sole intention of seeking these awards there's nothing wrong with that and it is generally a good thing for the sport However, I think the question whether the awards have become a bit of a joke is a completely different one, and a clear example, aside from Messi's omission from top three of FIFA's best, would be Salah winning the Puskas Award. That has got to be the most average goal I have ever seen. Compared to some of the others, such as Riley McGree's scorpion kick for my local club, it is nowhere near in quality. I think some of the awards have been a bit of a joke, and perhaps there needs to be some review into the judging process and voting and that's so he's backing you up there gabriel about that and i have to give myself an award this week i'm giving myself the Hamfoot award because we got a comment from daniel last week and somehow i made the, st- the mistake of calling him david i don't know how that happened but it's <laughs> you know it's, it's kind of like we say about the team it's like just do the little things right and then you know you can build on that and it's just sorry about that daniel but so Hamfoot award for this week goes to me he has a great point with that Puskas award. I mean, that 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 goal was such a joke because, yeah, it was a nice goal, but it wasn't even uh, – it was just a, a league game. You know, it had no real importance. I mean, I would have rather taken Bale's kick in the Champions League final. You know, that's a great goal, you know, from coming out of nowhere with that with that goal. And also Ronaldo's goal against Juventus are, are far superior to Salah's goal of the year. You know how FIFA is. They're super transparent, so I'm sure it will be coming soon. <laughs> yeah, clear as mud. Now, finally, from Fernando, he said, I don't know if they are good for the sport, but they are efficient as a marketing tool. What I don't like about them is that most are usually unfair. Take the best, for instance. Some people vote for their teammates, regardless of their individual merit, like French voters this year who only voted for French players. 
It is also unfair that Messi wasn't even among the three finalists. He is the best, but people are tired of seeing him win everything, so they vote for Modric just to see a new face at the podium. And there is that kind of, like, fatigue. Cristiano and Messi have been ruling these awards for many years now, and you can see that when when you're voting on something, you can imagine that a certain kind of fatigue takes over. Yeah, definitely. But You know, it's funny, I, I saw the interview with the one vote uh getter or the the guy that puts the vote for spain for the fifa's best because it's like one from each country essentially mm. and he said he voted for Modric because it was clearly he had the best season out of all the la liga players mm. <laughs> it's like i was like what like i understand maybe he's trying like you said because of the fatigue and so forth but if you're just looking at just straight numbers i mean how do you just not recognize messi and fortunately for us he is the best right he right. is the best but how can you deny the consistency? I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, exactly. this is one of the hardest things to do with the goal scoring rate that he does, the assists that he has, and he continues to do that. And, you know, just to have a change, you're denying the greatness, right? Yeah. Which, which I hate about it. Right. But also, fortunately for us, maybe some people voting on these awards are fatigued or tired of seeing Messi on the podium all the time. But at least Messi is not tired of scoring goals, making assists and winning trophies. Yeah, that's true. And maybe kind of lights a fire under him even more because of that. You know, I don't know whatever he needs to get motivated for that extra level, you know. But again, it's just, you know, for example, with Michael Jordan winning the MVPs in the NBA finals and stuff, it's not people weren't fatigued by that. He was clearly the best player and consistent through those championships. And that's one of the the things when you talk about the greatest players, you know, unfortunately, because we, we measure as well with Ballon d'Or and stuff, like if they're getting fatigued, it's going to kind of hurt quote unquote Messi's legacy. That's what I don't like to see. It's kind of the same thing right now with the team. It's, It's kind of, we're wasting Messi's years. It seems like, and it's the same idea. You know, I just think that these voters just, just look at it at a statistical level it's clear as day you know just he scores the most goals he won the trophies for the team and he is the best player he is the best player next up after the break barca b barca women and the loss to leganes And we're back for more Barca talk. Barca B are stepping up in Segunda B with two wins in the last two games, beating Conquense 3-0 and Olot 2-1 on Sunday. And we will have a full update from Max Bluer on them next week. And now, keeping you updated on Barca women, is Michelle Taylor. Success for Barca family with two games to talk about this week. Plus, what happens when two of the Barca Talk podcast presenters get together in Barcelona? More on that later. But first, the Liga game versus Espanyol. Derby games always have that extra edge to them, and even though Barca had beaten Espanyol 7-0 in the Copa Catalunya, the Liga game was never going to be that easy. An Espanyol own goal gave Barca the lead. At this point in the Liga, with one and a half games played, Barca had scored two goals, and both were own goals that had come from corners delivered by Vicky Lozada into the box. It's a bit of a worry that we're finding it so difficult to score this season, especially when our possession rates are still pretty high. But possession means nothing unless advantage comes from it, and that means scoring at least one more goal than the opposition to claim victory. But hey, let's get back to the match. If you've heard me speak about Natasha Andonova, you'll know that I'm a big fan of the Macedonia player. 
She was subbed in at the 72nd minute and scored in the 73rd. Way to make an impact. Third and final goal was a repeat of the goal that won the Copa de la Reina at the end of last season. On the left wing, Lika Martins crossed into Andanova, who sent the ball on for Mariano Caldente to slot home. Not a bad match from Andanova, a goal and an assist in the 18 minutes that she was on the pitch. A 3-0 win was a relief, as this was the first game played after a large part of the squad was laid low with a gastro bug that accompanied the players on the flight home from Kazakhstan. That was definitely the wrong kind of travel bug to catch. Next up was the midweek Champions League game, the return match against Kazagurt. The Kazakhs had won the first leg 3-1, so this game was do or die for Barca, and I was going to be there to see it live. A last-minute decision to fly to Barcelona to catch up with some good friends was conveniently timed so that I could get to see the match. And, as if it couldn't get any better, we got to meet up with Gabriel, who was also in town. After chatting over a caña, or two... Gabriel decided to come with us to the match, at least for the first half before he had to catch the train back to Madrid. But hey, it was a good chance to introduce him to Barca Femini. The game started with Barca pressing well and showing intent, something that we don't always get to see because at times we appear content to ease our way into games. The reward came quickly in the fourth minute, Lika Martins passing the ball into Patry, who played a 1-2 with Tony Dugan before shooting the ball low into the goal. Game on, one more goal to get. However, although we maintained a good press for the rest of the half, no goals came from it, and in the rare occasions where Kazigurt did get the ball, they still looked bloomin' dangerous. An away goal for them, and we were in trouble. By now the crowd was getting into the game, which was really great to see and hear. It was one of the most animated audiences that I've seen at the Barca women's game, and the official attendance was 1,700. It doesn't sound like much, but when the club does little to promote Barca Femini to a wider audience, it was good. When games are played out at the training ground, we rarely see more than 300 people watching, and those are mostly diehard fans or players' friends and families. The second half got underway, and like the first half, it quickly produced a goal after two minutes. After a corner play, the ball came to Tony Dugan on the outside right of the box. She sent in a high shot, which the Kazagurt goalkeeper blocked, but she spilled the ball pretty much at Marta Torahon's head, and she controlled it into the goal. Now the aggregate score was 3-3, and we were winning because of Tony's away goal in Kazakhstan. Barca's second goal seemed to deflate Kazigurt, and although they didn't stop trying, they did so with a little less focus. The tension was high in the crowd and on the pitch, as we knew that the tie wasn't yet a done deal. In the 69th minute, Natasha Andonova entered the game and livened things up again, one of her shots just missing the top corner, and it would have been an amazing goal had it gone in. Finally, in the 82nd minute, Haida Hamarawi split the defence with a spot-on vertical pass to Lika Martins, who got clear of the defenders to score the third goal for the night. Even without the goal, it was a player of the match performance from the Dutch woman. Martins is wonderful to watch, and even better to watch in a stadium than on TV. Her movement, pace and dribbling skills are simply amazing. Little wonder that she won Player of the Year last year. With relief, the final whistle blew, and we were through to the next round. As Barca is a seeded team, we won't get to meet any of the big guns in Europe just yet. But as the team from Kazagurt showed us, it's dangerous to underestimate any team regardless of their ranking. Visca Barca e Forza Barca Femini. That was Michelle Taylor. Follow her Twitter account, at Barca Women, for continuing news and updates. So the first team have gone three games without a win now, and perhaps none was more frustrating than the loss to Leganes last week. Before we talk about our view of the match, we want to share some comments that we got from you about it. Yeah, so our first comment comes from Carlos. 
And he says, I'm watching the game with a fever. And truth be told, it's not this fever that's bugging me. It's Valverde and his poor decisions. While it's still early in the season, we shouldn't be losing to teams like Leganes. These away games at these small stadiums can be tricky, but we have more than enough firepower to get three points. A complete embarrassment tonight. Strong thoughts by Carlos. Yeah, and I think he he encapsulated it really well. He he put it excellently in in so few words. And you know that's it's the kind of fever dream that you need sometimes to really clarify your 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 thoughts on things. And uh, so we did get this other one on the same match from Medi. He says, in the first half, I think we played well and we had chances to kill the game. But the main problem this year is in our defense system. And this is due to the 4-3-3 formation. Last year, Barca's strength in La Liga was the solid defense with the 4-4-2. I'm not saying that I prefer the 4-4-2. No, I really like the 4-3-3. That reminds us of the beautiful Guardiola era. But let's be honest, the defense problem was also present in Guardiola's time. The second thing, PK. His level these days is horrible. I think Valverde should do the same thing Lucho did in his first year. He sent PK to the bench for some games. Honestly, I don't care if we use the 4-3-3 or the 4-4-2. I just don't want to waste another year with Leo. Personally, I'm optimistic about this year. Anyway, this month, we'll see if we're going to do some big things in the end of the season or not. And right there, he's echoing exactly what you were just saying. Like We don't want to waste the years that we have with Leo. I mean, we really have to get off this romantic Guardiola era that we had. I mean, it was awesome. It was fantastic. It made you a Barca fan. Yeah. It it was the most beautiful football that I've ever seen, the way they played and the way they were able to win. But we have to put that in our history and move on because we don't have the players to do that anymore. We just don't. We don't have the midfield for a 4-3-3. We just don't. We've seen in the last run of matches – that our midfield is not tailored for this type of formation. We have to find a better way to make those players be successful. And again, you know, 4-4-2, like he said last year, that it was able to give us solid victories at the Bernabeu and this, you know, the difficult matches we had. But again, PK, he needs to be benched. I'm sorry, he needs to be benched. I'd rather just see Vermont in one game just to get PK a little uh, fire under his ass because he just looks disinterested. He looks as though he's just going through the motions. And also, I was reading today this morning in the paper that, you know, Valverde just doesn't want to take him out. He has favorites on the team. He was more than willing to bench Busquets in yesterday's match against Athletic, but he wasn't willing to bench PK. And so for me, that's that's these are the problems already that are happening with Valverde and his man managing. Right. And not only do we not have the players to run a 4-3-3, I'm not sure that we have the manager to really manage a 4-3-3. It's not just the players. Uh, it's it's that I don't think Valverde really knows what he wants from a four three three. What's a four three three? You know it's exactly. Like, what is he, it's like I think they just said, yeah, we're playing a four three three. It just seems as though they maybe have uh, a family member hostage, and he's just like, I got to do the four three three. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's handed to those guns. And I, oh man, you know, it's not just a Leganes match, and it's it's the with the string of matches we've had. And just like I was I was watching a video from Talk FCB, he does a great job with match reviews and just his opinions. Like he said, I'm not looking forward to watching the matches like I once did because of the style, right? You know, I you know, like I just said, we have to put that style to Guardiola, but we still had a flair about us. We still have amazing attackers. 
with individual creativity. And it just seems like they're being hamstrung. And I hate that so much. You know, the job of a manager is to put the players to succeed. That is the ultimate goal. And Valverde just looks completely lost, completely lost. Yeah. Now let's, let's turn to our view of the match in just a little bit of detail. Uh, starting with the lineup, there were a lot of changes in the lineup from the previous match. It's funny because we've been screaming for rotation, and then he gives us too much rotation. Right. It's just <laughs> it's like too like... much. Yeah, too much cowbell. Too yeah. much cowbell. <laughs> There's such a thing as too much oh cowbell, believe it or not. I mean, the big, thing, the big thing really is yeah, Vermelon, uh, right? Yeah, Vermelon <laughs> left back. I mean, uh, I mean, that is the most arrogant move that I've ever seen, you know, because these teams in La Liga are all really good. Even though, even though it's Leganes, right. I just don't understand why he didn't use Miranda, right. A left back, a true left back, just for this one match. If you're so arrogant to think that Vermaelen can play left back, are you telling me that Miranda can't play left back? Right. Like that to me is just, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, also like we there's were... that disconnect between, you know, all the respect they give in the press conference but then, like, where you really show respect is in your lineup. Yeah. And that's the thing is that um, when when I, when the lineup came out, you know, with Vermaelen left, I, I knew this was going to be a tragic story, you know, because, you know, our defense, as we've noted, has just been flailing all season. And to have another gap or another player that's not comfortable in that role, that's just putting the team on its back foot yet again, you know, even though we have Ter Stegen back there. I mean, we had, let's see, Ter Stegen, uh, Sergio Roberto, PK, Umtiti, Berman left back, nightmare, <laughs> Rakitic, Busquets, Coutinho, and then Messi, Munir, and Dembele, okay? So, again, the other surprise for me, too, was Munir starting. Right. But, again, I can see that because Suarez, you know, Mr. Hamfoot getting a break, that's cool. I'm, I'm good with that. Even though he was great in the match before in, against Girona. Exactly, but just to give that break. So yeah. that's good. And I like seeing the rotation between each line. So that's fine. But the only thing was like Vermaelen at left back. That is the biggest, you know, X that I saw when I saw the lineup sheets. Oh, yeah, big time. Now, like, as far as Leganes's approach, um, you know, they haven't had a good year so far. They had four losses and a draw coming in. And they were playing five at the back, dropping deep absorbing Barcelona's attack and actually doing a very good job of it. I mean, to some extent, I think you do have to congratulate the strategy and the game plan that Leganes brought into this. Uh, they they also got lucky, right? But they were really absorbing the attack. It was drawing Barcelona just further and further forward, creating all this space. And their goalkeeper, veteran goalkeeper, Cuellar, he made two great saves uh, late in the game, 80th minute, that maintained their lead and first on a shot from Coutinho and then again on Rakitic's shot off the rebound in the same play. That was, I think, decisive for them. Whether it was lucky or whether it was skill, Cuellar made those saves. And overall, they played really well defensively. But at the same time, we weren't, as you would say, imposing our will on our attacking end of the game. Let me ask you this, Brian. Mm. Mm. You said, you let's said, open it up. Let's, let's open it. You, gave, you, you gave credit... To me, I just cannot continue to fathom that, you know, when we play these lower tier teams, these teams are going to park the bus and counter. That is the strategy. And that's the strategy I would use if I had a sub quality team, right? You, you build the defensive shell and you try to take those one or two chances. Okay. How many teams has done the same lineup and the same strategy? A bunch, a bunch right? Yeah. We cannot figure this out, and it's driving me mad. It's driving me mad because I see it on the television. I said, how do you not scout and prepare for this? Right. 
make them come up with the counter to the other counter. Yeah. So here's I was having shower thoughts about this and you know how <laughs> you know how deep shower thoughts can get, you know, you just sort of like you you go into the rabbit hole of your own mind and I just was thinking like we know that certain teams are going to do this. We know a team like Leganes is going to do this. Valverde knows a team like Leganes is going to do this, despite however they've lined up in their previous matches. We know that it's a strong possibility that they're going to line up this way against us. There has to be a way. There has to be a way to break that down, to open it up, to get through, to create more chances. I don't know what it is. I'm not a football manager. I'm not a tactical expert. So I put it to you. What is the way? How do you do it? Put Vermeulen left back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we did that. Oh damn it! Oh. That was that was that was Valverde shower thoughts. I he's like showering. <laughs> he's like Vermeulen left back. Got it. Perfect. I had this that's idea the, in the shower. Oh Brilliant. God, They'll never this, see it coming. <laughs> this guy is killing me. All right. So the other thing too is you know in the formation in the sheet that I'm looking at, Leganes was in a five-four-one. Yeah. So, Brian, how do you break down a 5-4-1 if they already know what you're always going to do, right? So you have to mix it up. And I know, you know, we want to continue the possession. I get that. I totally get that. But the, the idea of the game is to win the match, right? And against Leganes, we can take more chances because we know we are superior on paper to them, right? Maybe do more crosses, more centering. Just have more people coming through the middle for those attacks. Take longer shots. Break up this defense of the 5-4-1. If you continue to do the, the small passing in the triangles, trying to work those angles, you play to their defense because they have numbers to match those things. Why not have PK flare out more to the right to counter those passes? If he sees the guy that's getting ready with the counter, if you have a man mark, it's going to be so difficult to always be PK one-on-one if he's already marking over there, you know? Yeah. But he gives up that distance because he's in the middle. You know, with my experience of playing football, watching the games – it's maddening because these are supposed to be quote unquote, the top, they have scouting departments and it's just a malaise of arrogance that we're just going to continue to always do our style and just get away with a victory so easily. Yeah. And I, I had sort of the chalkboard in my head and I'm, I'm also trying to imagine something that could maybe draw them, draw that defensive line out more and try and break up that five man back line a little bit. Uh, and I'm, I'm because I know that we play very compressed. We we keep shallow, right? There's a very short distance between the back two, really, and the front three, at least, right? It's a very short field that we tend to create when everyone is in the opposing half. And I'm just wondering if we had more attackers dropping back and trying to draw them out, and then springing on them and trying to create those runs in. Again, I'm not a football manager. I don't really know. What I'm talking about, I admit that. But I'm just saying, I'm, like, we were getting decent width, but I think there are ways that we could try and get more width, but also trying to stretch it out more um, on the length of the pitch as well, just to try and open them up. I don't know if, if they would fall for it or not, but, yeah, just trying to use more of the length because the width, we're doing almost everything we can with the width at this point. Like for this, right? So if if I'm, let's say, if I'm playing FIFA online, right, <laughs> and I see a 5 Four one. I'm going to use two strikers at least, right? right? To to get the movement and get those three backs to 
because they're not used to playing as a five line. That's not something that's very normal, right? So if you have the two strikers going through and really being pivots as opposed to the one, then all of a sudden that's going to bring some more flexibility and then you can have more crosses and just create more chaos. I mean, that's really what we want to do. And again, after we score the first goal, we should be able to roll, but we just don't have that killer instinct. Right. You know? Yeah. And and that's part of the problem as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that goal, that one goal that we scored, because uh, just for the record, it was a 2-1 loss, right? Uh, so we scored the one goal, and it was in the 12th minute. So we went ahead early, and of course, I think we immediately got complacent. Still, though, uh, Coutinho scored, and but of course, it all comes down to Messi. He attracts five players towards him, and then two center backs are tracking Munir into the box, and then there was a third staying with the line, and it left this space open for Coutinho. Messi's creation for the pass had him go to the right first on a really smart turn and then a great ball in for Coutinho Coutinho just pops it up off of his boot had all the time in the world and then he finished it on the volley really nicely Coutinho is a good player he's very good (laughs) very good no like you said that's it's funny to me because when Messi's about to pass you can see him look up and there's three guys looking at him you know It's, it's like (laughs) <laughs> it's like, are we going to have a knife fight? All right, let's fight. Right. You know, it's kind of like one of those things. And then Messi just finds uh, Coutinho, and it's a really nice goal. When we were talking this week, uh, my experience about this match, right? So I was getting ready to get on the train, and I was eating food. They score the goal. So I'm like, all right, perfect, no problem. We got this. And then what happens later? We give up two goals in one minute when I was boarding the train, and I was just like, what? Yeah, you missed on? it. You- <laughs> I, missed, I missed the two goals from Leganes. And again, like I said, once they scored that first goal, I said, okay, we're good. We're going to maybe get another one, but Leganes is pretty much dead. They're going to fight a little bit, but no. So I got to give credit to Leganes because they pressed us and they found the counter and they were able to get those two goals in a minute. Yeah, and the and on both of them, the first one came sort of more off a play on a throw-in and then the other one was really genuinely on a counter. But in both cases, they went with a long ball and absolutely caught us out and then as soon as they got ahead they and this is what i was sort of saying about their their strategy uh, to the match they i think saw the potential for being able to exploit a certain weakness in our defense so they played the, the long balls scored two goals in one minute and then they were they were happy to just keep on sitting back you and i plainly see a lot of people plainly see that there is just something wrong with our defense and the way we're our style of play and the formation with the tactics. I mean, you, it's plain as day, and I don't get it. You know, in that first goal, Vermelin was his distance to the center backs was so far that he had to cover a lot of ground. Now, Jordi Alba would be able to make up that ground because of his speed, but Vermelin, you know, playing, he doesn't know the distance. You know, he's not used to that. And so he gave up the ground. The player was able to beat him. And again, Vermelin just not being physical enough in the air, who he had, you know, a good five inch advantage he didn't use his height and the guy was able to get that goal which is you know shouldn't happen right but then the second goal the second goal was just embarrassing you know unfortunately you know because pk made the mistake it directly relates to a goal you know if someone else makes a mistake higher up the pitch maybe there's more events that have to happen but again pk just being lazy with the pass he's his technique he just kind of goes in going backwards and falling and making you know my my dad would always say never pass the ball in the center in defense you know Mm -hmm. like that's like one of the golden rules like you never pass in the middle like that's just playing with fire and of course 
I know PK has been able to do this before, but in that situation, he should have just cleared it because that just alleviates the whole problem. Yeah, well, it just seemed like he he didn't get close enough to the ball to get enough of his foot on it. It was that was just an individual error. I I think there are much bigger problems as far as our defensive organization and how they're communicating and, and playing as a line. Uh, that particular moment where the way he gave up the goal was just it was an individual mistake and he couldn't get enough of his foot on the ball i think he was looking to clear it yeah but it was just kind of this like half lazy type of thing i mean think about this you know pk has so much experience i mean so much experience right with world cup champions league all these experiences playing the the best strikers in the world you know but lately against Hirona and Leganes, he looks as though he's never seen a long ball before. Right. And how to react to it, you know? And now whenever there's like a situation with PK, before you didn't have that unsettling feeling. And now you have that feeling like, oh, I don't know if he's going to do. And that's a really weird thing because, like I said, he's such an experienced defender. He should be better. And it's just kind of his attitude or his energy that he's portraying. Maybe he has something else on his mind. I don't know. But he just he's portraying that he just looks disinterested and bored out there yeah so we we should he, he looks he looks like a guy on a sunday league right <laughs> like, really i mean he does he just kind of like looks like he's like ah, i'm to play center back i got this we're playing leg and ass and, and you know and that's what he looks like we're going out for beers after this we got beers correct yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I think we do need to see him uh benched just to motivate him a little bit more coming up after the break It wasn't a loss, but the first team is having a sad run of form at the moment, and we'll review the draw against Athletic Club in just a moment. All right, so let's close out this episode talking about Athletic. Uh, Match day seven in the Camp Nou. It was a draw one to one. It was so boring. It was. I mean, it's just, it's just, I I don't mean boring. Let me just, let me, let me retract that. It's not, I don't mean boring. I'm just, again, it just has to do with our style. We just don't look like we used to, you know, we don't look like we're guns blazing. Like we want to get after it. You know, we just kind of are saving ourselves for something. And I don't know what it is because the next two matches are super important. Yeah. Yeah. I think. We didn't look dominant, and so in a way, it was kind of actually for for a neutral. It was actually a pretty fun match to watch because there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, both sides created chances. It was contentious for us. You know, being biased as we are, is really disappointing to see a lack of dominance on our part. That's a good point. That's a good point. And that's the other thing is that you know, with Messi and Busquets out of this match. One of my main complaints, too, with with the rotation is just let them continue the match with the rotational players. Let them figure it out, right? So against Leganes, for example, keep Vidal in there. Don't bring Rakitic in, you know, like these type of moves. And again, he did the same thing with this. We were down one nothing, and he brings Messi and Busquets in. And it's just let them break. Let, them, let the team figure it out. I know I want it kind of both ways. You know, I want a better style of play. But at the same time, if we're going to sink or swim with this 11 for this match – let them figure it out because it's going to pay off, I think, further down the road. But if we keep, if Valverde keeps trying to save points by interjecting Messi and Busquets at the last, you know, make the substitution at half then because we're already down one nothing at halftime. Right. So either make that decision or not, you know, I don't, 
you know, as, as for me, the surprises and changes with the lineup, it's just that there seems to be no plan yeah. of what he's doing going forward, you know? Right. Well, let's talk about the Busquets substitution because that came as a result of Sergio Roberto uh, taking an injury. And actually, I have a little bit of a uh, an update on that. All we know at the moment is that it's a strain in his right leg. Uh, so he's clearly a doubt for the match against Tottenham. But also, I hope it isn't too severe. We don't know a whole lot about the injury, but he had to come out. He was signaling that he had to come out, and that's not something that Sergi normally does. Also, he was playing in Busquets' role, so it was a natural substitution to just put Busquets in there once Sergi wanted to come out with the injury. But up until then, I thought this was the best I had seen from Sergi Roberto in midfield so far this season, playing him in that central role and I was checking out his action heat map after the game and he had traced this perfect almost a perfect circle right in that space just behind the halfway line he he was really like making himself available for passes he was very cool I think he made good positive moves I thought he was doing really well in that role and then he hurt himself and then he had to come out yeah it's a good point he did have a good match but again, it's just the the chemistry between the other players, you know, with the midfield and the attacking. You know, we had the attacking up there of, you know, Dembele. Uh, we had Munir again. Or actually, not Munir. Munir came in later. Um, we had Suarez up there. And also, we had um, Messi who came in later to try to save it. But prior to that, you know, Sergio Roberto, like you said, he had a good action. But again, with Vidal, Vidal just looks lost. Like, he looks very uncomfortable. He doesn't know where to go, when to run, when to push up how to pass he's still kind of learning but that's because it's his second match that he's played right and that's that's part of the problem you know like if we you know Valverde went and got Vidal because he wanted Vidal right he wanted someone to kind of replace Paulinho role that type of player but if you're not going to use him and you're going to put him in situations where he looks completely lost that's the manager's fault completely right well he just needs to play him more at this point exactly and and as we've been saying just he needs more minutes because we're going to need him. But again, we had some opportunities, but Athletic Bilbao is not a lower tier team. So they're going to be able to bring it. They have some good quality players, obviously like Williams. And this match was another scary match as well because of the defense that we had. There were so many opportunities for Athletic and, you know, and also they're physical. And that's another thing they bring that other lower tier teams don't. They push us around a little bit. Yeah. Especially Raul, especially Raul Garcia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Raul Garcia and all of them. He's, that, got, those, he's got those razor elbows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we've given Valverde a lot of grief and rightfully so about his lineup choices. But I do think and going back to not just Sergi, but how he played Rakitic, because when we first saw this lineup, I assumed Rakitic would be playing in that central midfield Busquets style role and Sergi would be more on the right side because, of course, Semedo was starting it right back. But instead, Rakitic was playing more on the left, attacking midfield, and Sergi was in the center. And I thought that was actually and that worked really well. Vidal, you're right, of course, looked lost. He didn't know what to do or when to go forward. But I think that Sergi and Rakitic were both working together really well and doing their jobs nicely. So I think that was a good decision on Valverde's part. Yeah. And, you know, again, Sergio Roberto's the the jack of all trades, right? He can you can put him much anywhere and he'll be able to 
to survive just because he knows the relation, the spacing and how to pass and so forth. Vidal, for example, has never played in a team like this where it's so concentrated on small passing and movement, right? It's just kind of one pass and you kind of move. But here we really need you to stay back and always be ready for the one touch. So you can see that he's still trying to adapt to that style. I think he eventually will. Again, I just, you know, with the formation of the 4-3-3, yet again, you know, why not use the 4-4-2? Use Dembele and, and Suarez up there and then have Coutinho on the wing and then have a little bit more structure in the midfield, you know, to counter the 4-2-3-1 of, of Athletic. But again, we, we depend on Messi so much and it's evident when he's not on the field, you know. We don't have that playmaker that's making those dynamic through balls. And when he's not on there, it's... Yeah, we had some opportunities, but it's just we lack that teeth in the attack. Right. Well, looking at Athletic and how they played, you know, they've they've been masters of the draw all season. They've had one win and one loss. The rest have all been draws. And their new manager, Eduardo Berizzo, is at least motivating his men to really fight for results. And the way they lined up, as you said, was with that 4-2-3-1. And it was defensive, but with a lot of strong attacking options. And defensively, they played an, a really aggressive pressing game, which is about what we would expect from them. They did it very well as well. Their lines were broken multiple times. We broke through their lines. And honestly, they were lucky that our finishing wasn't really there because we had a number of chances early on that uh, that we just didn't finish. But they were playing really strongly. But then after they went ahead, we came out hard at them. You know, we're putting in Messi. We're getting into position to score. But their defenders were actually making a number of really good tackles to keep the shot count down. And then their their goalkeeper, this kid, he's their third goalkeeper, Unai Simon. He made some incredible saves. For me, the notably was the 26th minute where Suarez was in on a killer ball from Vidal turned and shot Simone was already advancing to shut it down and then in the 44th minute Coutinho had that headed attempt I mean Simone came up really big for athletic in this match yeah it's a good point I don't know what they're drinking in that water in Basque country but they have some good goalkeepers that they're that they're making over there yeah that club sure. just knows how to scout goalkeepers and, and coach yeah. them yeah yeah definitely now you brought up some good points and you know Again, the finishing was our fault. You know, like for that goal with Suarez, he tried to hammer it home when he could have just maybe chipped it and felt the keeper coming on him. I mean, obviously, that's a hindsight type of situation. But again, you know, um, with Inyaki Williams' speed, right? He's such a speedster. They were able to have some counter plays and have some dangerous plays. They pressed us high, like you said. And that was to be expected, right? Because that's what Valverde used to do to Barcelona. So they just cut carbon copied that plan. So Athletic were, were pressing high, but they, you know, obviously it was not sustainable, right? Because in combination with Busquets and Messi coming in, we started to really uh, impose more attacking on them and they were not able to press as high and win the balls back. Again, we won the possession battle severely. We had about 73%, 70%. But again, the possession doesn't really relate to what we saw in the match, right? Because even though we had a lot of possession, we were trying to score, but like you said, our finishing was off and we just could not find the back of the net. Yeah. And there was that one. Um, I didn't make a note of who it was. I think it was messy. It was a killer shot and uh, just hit the post. That, that was the real yeah. heartbreaker for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the second post in two games, right? Cause he did that in the leg and as well. Again, it's, it's just, you know, I don't know what is going on, right? Like with, with Hamfoot up there, he's not having the great season. You know, we're, we're depending too much on Messi. Obviously Dembele has been able to score some goals, but again, it's 
we just need more consistency of the play from our attacker. Obviously, I would say Coutinho and Messi have been our most consistent throughout the time, you know. Dembele is still losing a lot of balls. I mean, that's the other thing that he is not doing uh, too well. You know, he's keep he keeps losing those possessions uh, when he's trying to do too much, right? You know, there's a there's a moment there where you, obviously the individual brilliance, that's what you want from him, but you have to know when to, and uh, how to use it, you know. He needs to pull it back sometimes, keep possession because – you know, when we do the back and forth track race where it's not sustainable for us because our defense is not good. Right. And that's often my complaint or lately anyway, my complaint with Samedo as well is that, in fact, against Athletic, I thought he had some really good moments, attacking moments, especially uh, where he did some good things, really driving to the byline, putting those crosses in. But at the same time, the the one thing about Tomato's game that bothers me is that he often tries to take on too much. He tries to dribble his way out rather than just looking for a pass rather than than just turning and looking for a pass it's the simplest thing but he he wants to try and like beat two men and he just doesn't have the chops to do it yeah good point and that goes down to just the dna of the barca style right from la masia basically always passing quicker so that you don't have to face two men right so you're constantly moving that around Semedo had a better match this match i think he played the full 90 as well so i think that was another great thing for him well, once Sergi came again, out he had no choice <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but again i just i i want Semedo to be so good defensively that that's his first you know role essentially so that he is such a beast on defense that we can rely and he can shut down anybody and then i will take all the attacking that comes along with it i mean for example when we had Danny alves Danny alves was not the greatest defender but what he brought attacking was second to none. I mean, it was a, he was so brilliant, right? But I think what we're lacking is we're lacking that hard-nosed defender. I mean, obviously we have it with Umtiti, but uh, if Tomato can lock that down and just really use his speed and physicality, I think that'll make his play and our play go up another level. Right, absolutely. So Athletic's goal, this goal from DeMarcos with that floated ball in and uh, our back line, the way I read it, I looked at the replay, I replayed it many times. The way I'm looking at it is that our back line was just not on the same page. Because DeMarcos beat Sergio Roberto, but PK was keeping him on side, right? Lungley had pushed up, Sergi had turned his head, he was aware, and PK pushed up, but he was too late. And Sergi let DeMarcos run, I think, thinking he'd catch him offside. So I'm not blaming PK or Sergi individually. I think it was a collective mistake. And also, you have to recognize that Susayeta was given about a mile of space and all the time he wanted to set up that pass. Nobody was pressuring him at all. And Susayeta is quality. He can put quality service in. You need to do something to close him down. I mean, that whole play just looks like a cafe con leche time timeout type of thing, you know? It's just... <laughs> Because, just the back line like took a coffee break yeah i mean like it started i mean obviously it starts from the pressing that no one was pressing him to make that pass he, t- he had all day to make that pass he makes a nice pass a floating pass over everyone and then when you look at the replay they all just turn their heads to the left and oh no you know it's like and then um demarcos was able to capitalize and score on that goal again it's the lack of consistency the concentration lapse that you know, there's only a few moments in the match as a defender, especially at that quality of, of Barcelona's, you know, team and stuff that you just have to be concentrating with those four or five opportunities that the other team is going to, you know, 
come up with and you just have to be on top of it. And just lately in the last run of, of matches, the other teams have been able to capitalize on those moments. And again, this was another one. And I, when I was watching the match, I just said, wow, again, the consistency right. and it starts with the midfield pressure as well. Yeah. And it does come back to what you were saying about Vidal. Uh, he added his, his questions about, you know, he wasn't quite sure what to do as far as attacking, but also he probably was the, the one in the best position to pressure Susayeta and he's not a defender. He's not a center back. He probably should have been the one pressuring Susayeta, but instead he dropped back into, into line with the defense and he should have stepped up on Susayeta. But again, I, I would say that that's not some uh, failing of him as a player and in like a fundamental sense, but just got to, got to coach these guys. You got to coach them. So, (laughs) so that they know what their roles are and what to do. I mean, it goes back to the idea of what to become a professional manager at this level, what you have to do, right? It's just more than anything, you know, obviously with the tactics, yeah, that's cool. But when you think about all the best professional coaches, the most important thing that they always do is put the players to succeed at that moment and that they're prepared, right? I think of Bill Belichick with NFL that he's able to take free agent players from the street and able to put them in opportunities because he's coached them for that moment. You know, when I think of the NBA, my, my team, the Warriors, they have Steve Kerr who puts players in the specific roles that suits them. It's just understanding your personnel, especially like Vidal. What does he do? Great. What does he do? Bad. Let's put him in opportunities where he's going to succeed and obviously help the team and help me win. Not, center back lining up looking lost on an island looking at pk you know these are not the moments you know so again it just goes back to Val, valverde's man managing and coaching style which everyone is just throwing their hands up in the air just doing what's going on right right now then our goal the one goal that we got that strictly speaking went to munir was all messy messy's the man yeah you know i mean <laughs> i mean just... like the tenacity and of course his incredible skill the way i mean how he took it all the way down to the end line brought it back just tireless uh and then put the ball in it got deflected put it in again and this time munir was there to deflect it into goal i mean the, see that's the thing it's like messi didn't get a goal he got an assist probably on that but that goal was Messi's goal. Yeah. And Munir just stuck out his hand foot. Yeah. Right. That's all he had to do. <laughs> just Munir was in the right place, took out his hand foot and got a goal. I mean, again, this is what I've been clamoring all season. You know, we need Messi in playmaking. He's the, you know, he is the point. He sees everything. Remember, he has the drone that he can see right. all the angles of the field, right? When he's playing, we have to put him in that center position somehow. I don't know how, but we have to have him there because when he's in the middle, he can distribute like nobody on our team. You know, he makes everyone in the in the front attacking line that much better. He made Munir score. Right. That's all I have to say. And <laughs> and he did it by going out to the right. Just, just like Correct. you said, you want Messi to That's go to I the said. right more. And I think he listens I think Leo Messi listens to this podcast just to try and work on his English. And, oh, yeah, I can see that. I can see and that. And he's listening to us. <laughs> so he went out to the right more. So Leo, if you if you ever want to be on the podcast, you're more than welcome, of course. Go right. Yeah. Go right. Yeah. Now looking ahead to Tottenham. Yeah, tell me. Right? Looking ahead to Tottenham. Now, now I'm scared. Yeah, now you're scared, yeah. <laughs> but it's not because of Tottenham, it's because of us. Because we've Correct. got Umtiti both injured and suspended. Sergio Roberto injured. The back yeah. four is gonna have to be Samedo, Piquet, Longley, and Alba. 
And, you know, nothing against Ramallin, at least not as a center back, but I just don't see him starting in, in this match. No. Um, but then Vermalen could rotate maybe next week in La Liga against Valencia and be serviceable enough. So uh, getting back to this rotation topic, because we're, we're starting to ask a lot now of our center backs because, again, Umtiti's injured. Yeah, like I said, I'm more scared of us, the way we're playing, rather than how Tottenham's playing. Again, this is going to be a huge match. We need to get points. You know, I want to get a tie. But again, we have to be defensively sound. And like you said, that back four is going to be most likely Semedo, Lunglet, PK, and Alba. So, you know, it's another thing with the security blanket of having Alba back there as well because of his speed can negate a lot of the attacking. But I'm interested to see, again, we're probably going to be in a four... I would. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I I would prefer to be in a four four two for this match because I just think it puts us with a stronger midfield that can be with numbers defensively for those attacks. Because again, we just need to get the point. Obviously, we want to get the win, but the way we're playing right now, I just want us to perform well defensively first because i always know that we're going to have opportunities attacking but we just have to be defensively solid right and we're going to london for this we're going to be on the road so it it would it would be wise to maybe take advantage of valverde's conservatism and be a little bit more defensive on this but on the other hand well maybe it isn't the other hand but here's the thing about this 442 versus the 433 you can do both of those with the same exact 11 people Right, so yeah. if he picks the right eleven, and it's—I mean—he's going to pick our best eleven, almost certain. Well, except for Umtiti, of course, and Sergi. <laughs> All right, so he's going to pick nine of our best eleven. I really thought that one through, <laughs> but the eleven that he's going to choose, he can shape them into a four-four-two or a four-three-three, and I do think that at least they should start the match off as four-four-two. See, see how it goes, see what develops, and maybe play that way the whole game. But with those yeah. eleven guys, take that. Take that perspective. Just think about if we do four four two, we have Dembele and Suarez up top. Exactly, that would make me happy. Exactly. Right, that would make me happy. Right, and then you have Coutinho who can still go up the wing when he needs to, but he can help us defensively when we have those numbers. Right, so and then obviously he puts Messi in the middle, which I love for the playmaking ability. So, like you said, we can use those nine in either the four three three and the four four two. I'm just. I'm hoping that the moment is going to wake them up. We need to shake the shit out of them. You know, it's like, I'm hoping that the moment of the champions league, that everyone in the world is going to be watching. It's a big match. It's at London. It's in Wembley. Like I'm hoping that this will just, you know, make them concentrate, especially PK. Cause if PK has a good game, then the rest of the team is going to be fine because he is the key to our defense right now. Right. Yeah. So looking forward to that champions league match and well, we have we have no choice but to look forward to it, even even if we are a little nervous at the moment. I mean, this is a tough stretch, right? We have went London and then we go to Valencia, the Mestalla. So, two really tough matches. Uh, Valencia is not playing as well as they were last year. They're still a formidable team, especially at home, but they're off to a slow start, and we'll see what happens with that match. Again, depending on how we get out of the Tottenham match with injuries and performance, you know, going to the Mestalla on a Sunday night. And the partidazo game here in Spain is going to be a big deal. Special thanks to Michelle Taylor this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. We can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca.
Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.